Hi, I'm Jim Stroud, and this is still my podcast, but I'm going to substitute my regularly scheduled episode of the Jim Stroud Podcast for this very special reunion episode. A little over a decade ago, I co-hosted the Recruiters Lounge podcast with my pal, Karen Matnan. It was a very successful podcast at the time, and in celebration of it, I recently launched the Retro Lounge podcast series, which republishes the original episodes from the Recruiters Lounge. Now, as a sneak preview of the type of banter we share discussing diverse HR issues, tune in to this special reunion episode where Karen and I meander across the following topics. What can recruiters learn from the real estate industry? What changes has Karen noticed in the industry since her departure? How many ways can a recruiter be sued for bad hiring habits? How to avoid lawsuits when dealing with inexperienced candidates? Are recruiters open to legal jeopardy when editing a candidate's resume? Is it really unethical to recruit candidates away from a former client and then place them later with a new client? All that plus a very, very long rant about recruiter ethics and a quick plug for the runaway bestseller, The Robot Proof Recruiter by Katrina Collier, which I highly recommend. Tune in to hear the chat and get a sneak peek of what you can expect from the Retro Lounge podcast, which posts here in my RSS feed every Wednesday. So if you're a subscriber to the Jim Stroud podcast, then every uh, on Monday you get the Jim Stroud podcast and on Wednesday you'll get the Retro Lounge. And this is uh, coming up next. You'll hear a little bit uh, of what our banter Karen and I's conversation was like. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Stay tuned. Launching an innovation in HR tech is no small feat. With all of the noise and countless vendors in the market, sometimes the most promising innovations don't get the chance they deserve to impact HR. And while early and growth stage founders are highly innovative, most aren't experts at scaling revenue to drive growth and support their vision, which can mean the end of the road for many startups. That's where Pure ACV comes in. We've had the great fortune of working with some of the most innovative brands in HR tech for over three decades to build compelling messaging and solid, scalable teams that drive growth, giving these innovations a chance to impact how HR is done. Employer brand professionals know that doing great work involves doing big, high-level strategic thinking and getting your hands dirty. If that sounds like the kind of work you want to do, come listen to the Talent Cast. It's the world's most highly caffeinated employer brand podcast. Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We We out. out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, here I am once again, Jim Stroud, and with me in my podcast studio, you know her. You know her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Karen Matman. How are you, Karen? Oh my gosh. I'm actually starting to blush and cry at the same time. Uh, it's been so long. It has been long. But you still my heart. It's oh still my it's, and yet it's like yesterday, isn't it? Isn't it so funny? Yes, for those who don't know, way back in the day, way back in the day, the, the back in the day being between, I think, 2005 to 2009, 
or twenty ten. Oh my gosh. Karen and I used to do a podcast called the Recruiters Lounge Podcast. And curiously enough, um, if you're subscribed now, which I'm assuming you are since you're listening to this, to the Jim Stroud Podcast, uh, which posts every Monday, every Wednesday, you will hear what I'm calling the Retro Lounge, which is a uh, archival look. Is that the right word? Is a flashback yeah. to our yeah, yeah. old podcast. So uh, what you're hearing from us in this episode is pretty much uh, the banter that you would normally hear on the Retro Lounge. Hopefully it won't get as bad. <laughs> and actually, what was so cool, and I may say this, and there was a mm. lot to do with you. We were so popular. I mean, we had people come, you know, from, well, we from Australia. When, you know, people write in saying, asking questions. I mean, it was really, I, I really appreciated being yeah. able to provide value to these people. It was quite awesome that they gave us the opportunity and they, they actually respected us. It was really awesome. Yeah, we had a lot. We had a lot of fun back then, uh, as, I, as I recall. I think we did. I know yeah. we did over what 150 episodes. I'm not sure. I think so. We um, did. We did. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, well, people, people well. Can hear, yeah, people can hear. Like I said, uh, every Wednesday, the retro lounge, which will be a playback of our old stuff. So, uh, if they like what they hear in this episode, they'll love what they. <laughs> what they hear the next <laughs> maybe we won't argue as much so, oh we might we might not we'll see <laughs> we'll see Karen is like my annoying I tell her she's like my annoying little sister in the back seat says, no you're my little brother no no you're my little brother you're younger than I am sorry oh, okay you're gosh. the little brother all right whatever whatever, whatever. mind your spot stay in your lane stay in your lane all right so uh <laughs> Getting back to this podcast. All right. So uh, I mentioned how we used to do the, the uh, Recruiter's Lounge podcast, which is now the Retro Lounge. And back then we were both uh, involved in recruiting and mm -hmm. you have since left the recruiting industry. So what have you been doing since then? Well, so, I guess, what, inadvertently, 20, I 12, 15 uh, I left the recruiting industry to go into recruiting still, actually, mm. um, but I did it into real estate. I okay. was recruiting real estate agents for mm. real estate companies, brokerages, and I actually was doing training of real estate agents as well in some aspect. Um, one of the places I was hired was brought on to be a team leader, even though I hadn't even had a license, but I was doing also some training and um, providing some information and resources and okay. redoing recruiting. Um, I got so enamored by the industry. Never thought I would be a, a, ever considered real estate as a career, personally. You, I mean, so I was did enjoying- you, you, Did you and the industry run to each other in slow motion or how did that work? Well, I was really enjoying recruiting real estate agents. It was probably one of the most difficult recruiting I ever had done really? because you know recruiter well real estate agents they're contractors mm. and they have to pay for everything they're real contractors not what they're called mis misclassified as a contractor we'll call you an employee we'll make you an employee but call you a contractor and mm. put you on payroll and all that no these guys have the bro a broker can't tell them what to do how to do their job they just put their license under a brokerage and then basically own their own business and unfortunately, this industry has a 90% failure rate too, unfortunately. It's actually a little higher. What percentage? 90. Wow. 90. 90% failure rate. One of the most expensive industries to get into, 
Mm. Like just, yeah, just this year alone, we've already had to come. My husband and I have already come out of $4,500 out of pocket just for our fees. That's just for our fees to be an agent. Every year we have to pay that. That's not in cost, incurring the cost for signs or because they don't pay for our signs. We pay for our signs. That doesn't include the cost for our advertising and our marketing and everything we have to do. And even when we do an open house, all of that comes out of our pocket. Putting it on Zillow, putting, go ahead. I know that, it, it, hearing you say that how expensive it is, but the, the uh, trade-off is, you know, you sell a house, you're, you're suddenly, suddenly rich, right? No. It's, you actually make more actually doing recruiting, being honest. Um, hmm. When I sell a house, let's say I sell a house that's 250000 mm-hmm. and I sold my house. Okay, I, let's say the listing fee was 600, 6%. Right. So that means that the, by the other agent, the buyer's agent, they get half of that. Now, okay. I, get, I don't get the 6 on that. No, that leaves me with 3%. Well, I don't get 3%. I have to now give my broker a large percentage. And if you belong to a Remax or Keller Williams or some kind of a franchise, you've got to give them a part of it too. So now you generally, so it's, some places it's like an 80-20 split where you may get 80% and they get 20. So then on top of that, you've had to pay off all of these other expenses just to market that house. So, you know, for example, a $20,000 um, thing might end up in pocket. You might end up only getting like, say, 10 grand sometimes. I mean, wow. that's an exaggeration. Some people, yeah. you know, if you were working at certain serve firms, you might get you more, but then you're not likely to get as much process. I mean, people think it's so cheap. Oh, I've got my friends that can go on Facebook and I can just go ahead and become an agent. No, it doesn't work that way. And that's why it has such a horrible, horrible field to it. But here's the irony. Mm. To try to recruit individuals from this industry, it's like trying to say, Walmart, hey, look, there's this great property over here. I want you to pull up all your stock, all your signs, all your brand, all your information, everything that's in your store, and now take it and move it to this other location. Mm. See, and for a real estate agent, that's kind of like they're at the Walmart and you're saying to them, hey, come, come stay with us. Come because we have maybe better leads generation. Well, like, well, a lot of companies promise lead generation and they don't really deliver. Or they'll say we have better uh, CRMs. Real estate agents love, by the way, social media, CRMs, marketing. They make recruiters look really, really amateur when it comes to how much involved these guys are in social media. Well, tell me this, tell me this, uh, what comparisons can you make to real, to real estate agents um, and recruiting? What can, what can recruiting oh, real estate agents? It's like night and day. I mean, it's like night and night. I mean, they're so identical. One of the things that I found just in recruiting real estate agents mm. and the training, now I actually went to training. My, my business actually sent me to two different training places to learn how to recruit real estate agents. Yes, they actually have week-long classes that you actually go in and you sit down and actually do the calls and these people listen in and teach you how to do it better, okay? They actually teach, this is how engrossed this industry is. I'll tell you one thing I love about recruiting before, recruiting about real estate versus recruiting. Mm. There's a lot of people in real estate that do training 
like in recruiting, yep. that, that just say, I'm going to be a trainer. Okay. And you can actually see if their information is valid, accurate, or if they're just decided they want to be a trainer because they can't, they don't cut it, they don't make it or whatever. Right. Real estate is one of the most researched, quantitative and qualitative researched industries. Billions and billions of dollars are spent in just statistics and data on what works and what doesn't work. So when I decide I'm going to determine if a real estate agent is any good, and I would recruit a real estate agent, they could tell me, oh, I sold 10 or 20 houses last year. I knew for a fact if they did or didn't. And it's the same thing with a trainer. I could hear or we could see if that trainer's training is successful based upon the information they're provided and the success rate from the people who are using it. So if people uh, have been trained by whoever, uh, how do you know? So, so, okay, so let's say I'm a real estate agent and I'm a pretty good one because you can check and see how many houses I sold and verify that I sold so many houses. And then I guess you would see on my resume that I took training from company X. And because I'm a good well, agent, then that means company X is a good trainer. Well, no, it goes beyond that because what happens, like there's a guy named Mike Ferry, for example. Mike Ferry's getting a plug here, not intentionally, because his son is Tom Ferry. Tom learned from Mike. Mike Ferry was an agent for maybe five or six months. Now, I've never been prone to having people teach me how to do something without knowing how to do the job, but he actually did do the job. But what he ended up doing is he became a title information, a title, he was entitled. And one in title, he'd see certain agents come in kicking butt, just doing really, really well. And he started doing research, very deep research as to why these people did really well. What were they doing? What were the tools that they were inputting? And then he'd find out what, why were these people not doing well? Well, what he ended up doing was he started creating, uh, using the very people that were really excellent. He started using them in his training. He created training around them and then also had them speaking. But we knew their numbers were statistically real. And what we saw too, so then other businesses started taking up their training. Like for example, Keller Williams or Remax and everything else started saying, look, we're going to start implementing the same or similar training. And they started developing a similar trend. So now this is like fast forward 20, 30, 40 years later, and now we have these models or modules that you know you follow consistently to be a winner. If you don't follow this certain models, you will not succeed generally. It's basically like back and writing. If you don't, for example, we've this industry, one of the biggest thing is there's a law of value, there's a law of influence, a law of intensity, and re- reciprocation. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's the hold same hold thing hold in hold recruiting. Hold on, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting lost in the weeds here. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not. I'm getting out of that real fast. I'm moving yeah, away from uh, that real fast. Right, so, okay, because that's not like, just get to the point. So the thing. Okay, of, to get to the point. So, the, is so the that, thing, let me ask. Let me ask. So is is the point of that meaning that uh, in real estate there is a certain standard? that all the realtors adhere to and in recruiting, there should be a certain if you are, as well? If you don't, you will not succeed. It's, I mean, you might succeed one or two or three, but then you're out because like you, first off, there's laws that guide what we do. Hmm. I mean, high level of laws, just like the, um, and just like in the recruiting world, there are laws that oversee what recruiters do. Most recruiters don't know those laws. Well, to be a real estate agent, you have to know those laws. You have to have abide by these assets. So you're so I mean, you suggesting example, that 
recruiters when they're getting trained and should also be trained on things like uh, interview questions you shouldn't say or what's legal or illegal? It goes deeper than that. It goes to the heart of one of the things I tell you, okay, the law of value, for example. Mm. You know, one of the biggest things you want to do is you want to create value. As a recruiter, you want to create value. As a real estate agent, you want to create value. Why would I want to speak to you? Why would I want to give you and trust you? How do I get somebody, how am I, and as a recruiter, how am I going to understand why you might want to talk to me? I'm calling you up, okay, and I'm saying to you, I want you to go ahead and move to Colorado to my job. You don't know me from Adam. I've got a sales, a sales position. I know you're a great salesperson. You might, but if I don't talk to you properly and I don't talk to you well, I don't ask questions. I may not have known that you just got promoted to a sales manager. And you may also have a sales manager job for me. But you start, most recruiters just go, bam, bam. Hey, 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 Jim, I got this great job. I got your name. Uh, Want to go ahead and send the end of resume? I want you to come meet me. Uh, let's go ahead and have an interview. What time is good? It's just this whole boom, 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 not recognizing, hey, this guy, maybe he might have been interested in talking to you, but you just try to bulldoze him on one of the most important things of his life, his job, mm -hmm. his career. You want him to trust you. You might be his boss trying to fit or his boss's wife trying to figure out, are you really loyal? He doesn't know you from Adam. He doesn't even, he was saying this company is great that you're working for, but you're, you might be just in peril. And so instead of having empathy, instead of taking time to help him figure out what his problem is, why does he want to leave? What's his issue? What's his concern? Is it money? Is he hating his boss? Is he hating the fact that they're not giving him enough tools in the office? So unless you really try to create an environment that you can help him believe that you can help solve his problem and to also bring happiness to him, that's the two reasons people will leave a job. That's the two reasons people are actually, if, when people talk to you and they really want to consider something, they're doing it because they're either scared and have a problem and they want to be happy. Mm, you know, a, a so what are you... Yeah, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And a lot of what you're saying there, uh, having empathy and that personal connection, reminds me of this uh, this book. It's a really popular book that's that's floating around the HR circles and recruiting circles. Because like, I keep seeing it online in social media and hearing people talk about it. Uh, it's called The Robot Proof Recruiter by Katrina Collier. Mm -hmm. If you haven't mm -hmm. read it, uh, definitely download it or, or, or go to... I do, did in my day, go into an actual bookstore and buy it. <laughs> but... Uh, the Robot Proof Recruiter by Katrina Collier, I highly recommend it. And as you were talking about the different things that recruiters need to do to connect with their uh, prospects, this is really, I think, common sense for us because that's just how we grew up in recruiting, so to speak. But I think- But we're not taught that. We're taught instantly just yeah. get on the phone and drive, drive, drive. And right. the thing is what we don't realize, Jim, did you know mm -hmm. that people would prefer to avoid pain more than they would seek pleasure? Interesting. Is that, how do you know that? Is that where, where you hear that from? That's the statistical fact. I don't have the numbers in front of me. You know, I usually do, but it's a statistical. And just think about you. 
he would much rather avoid being yelled at your wife or, or having your, your kids nag at you or have the dog bite you or whatever, then even though that beautiful woman or whatever, or, or that apple or the fruits right there, can okay, let me just put it. Um, I'm trying to think of an analogy. So help me here <laughs> without sounding like sexual. This is not going good. Okay. It's like, I know, I like, I want to see, unless you're an addictive personality, you know, we're not talking about addictive personality, but generally, Mm. If I'm in a miserable situation, mm. I would like to avoid that miserable situation sure. rather than just go ahead and see. No, yes, I'm getting a lot of money. Yes, I'm getting really get paid well, but I'm also getting sick and I'm also dying for myself. And everybody hates me because I'm miserable. I would rather leave that big paycheck and avoid that from here on out than, than stay there for that big paycheck. That's sure. a fact. Sure. It's a total sure. fact. And I mean, you can see it if we're going to be empathetic. So the same thing with, with real estate agents. You know, when we go ahead, the same thing happens in our industry. You know, people, the people forget to go ahead and understand why is that person talking to you and wanting to consider selling their home? Well, you know what? You, you say, right? that's, a very, that's a very interesting point. So let me ask you this before you go into that, that example there. Um, Real estate agents need to have a certain level of empathy to be successful. Recruiters also need to have a certain level of empathy uh, in order mm -hmm. to be successful. How do you suggest uh, recruiters uh, specifically uh, develop that soft skill of being empathetic, of being interpersonal to okay, increase so their emotional thing is about intelligence, which is another. Here's what, and that's a great question. The main focus, what we want to look at is first off, we never make assumptions. Mm. Never assume that we know what that person wants or thinks or feels. Never assume that they're moving to get, want to consider moving to your company because you've got more money or you've got better benefits. Or maybe you don't know, maybe it's his boss he hates. You don't know what may make him want to consider talking to you. So if you would go ahead and make assumptions, you're losing trust. So what you want to do is you want to show what you can do for that person. Not what you can do for you. Hey, I'm trying to close this position because I want to keep my job is what they're thinking about us. Most people, when they either talk to a real estate agent or they talk to a recruiter, they think we suck. Sure, sure. They think, you know, we're just in it for the dollar. Right. We're if just you, in it for the money. Right. If you do a search on um, Google or Bing or Yahoo, uh, do a search on recruiters are and see what the search engine suggestions uh, present to you. A lot of times they right. say recruiters are, are evil or stupid or lazy. Yes, you will. And it's the same thing you hear like, oh, my God, real estate agents don't know what they're doing. They don't blah, blah, blah. So what we have to do is we have to create value by asking a lot of questions to okay, term so I'm, determine I'm what they yeah, I'm, I'm hearing rule. I'm hearing rule number one is uh, figure out what's in it for them as opposed to what's in it for you. Not exactly. And how do you do it is you create it by asking a lot of questions. Mm. That's how, and then ask more questions. Then ask even more questions. Mm -hmm. You find out what their problem is and what it will take to bring them the joy that they want. And then what your next goal is to offer the solutions. You're going to offer the solutions. Say, hey, what about this? Will you like this? Could it be? Would this be reasonable? And you should ask a question when you're offering the solution. Hmm. So would it be reasonable to say that you are suffering in pain because of this and that maybe this would be the solution? Okay. What if we could provide that solution for you? Interesting. Okay. 
Okay. It's, it, it's okay. Now that's just the first part is creating mm-hmm. the value. Okay. The next one is then you got to remember our income as in recruiting and in real estate is determined by how many people we're going to talk to and serve. Now I always see people and it's the same thing in the recruiting world. I see people in real estate and recruiting. I'm going to go on Facebook. Oh yes. And LinkedIn. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Let's just go click, 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 click. It is true that if you send a text, you have about an 85% better chance of it being a response than an email. Granted, I'm a firm believer of three things, text, email, and phone call the person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some people don't like text. I don't personally like text. And I still don't also like phone and I hate email. But if you do me, if you send me all three, you're going to have a call back from me. I can guarantee it. If you send me one, you might not. If you send me two, you got my curiosity. By the time you send three, I'm going to call you back. What the hell do you want? What's going on? What's the emergency? You know, there's a lot of research. People forget that. Yeah. It's a lot of research out there about uh, picking up the phone. I remember when I was at a uh, Sourcing Summit Europe presentation and um, uh, Johnny from uh, Social Talent gave a great presentation about how to uh, connect with candidates. And he did, a re- he did this research in connection with uh, Alexander Mann, I believe, where they surveyed sourcers in Asia Pacific, Europe, Latin America, and here in the States. And, they, and he asked them, or the, the survey asked, uh, what is what has been the most effective way for you to connect with a candidate and across the board, no matter where you are in the world, the number one way to connect with candidates was always picking up the phone and talking to them. Okay. So here's another, here's another interesting on our end, Harvard did research with mm. Keller Williams and a few other agencies. Keller Williams was mainly, they did an actual call center where they actually had people, you know, making the phone calls and they tried to see, if they got more return ROI, okay, they did significantly more. And it's a fact. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and sell your million dollar home with me. I want you to trust me, but I want to do it by email. I want you to go ahead and leave your job and move to Connecticut from California, but I'm going to do that by email. Right. I mean, come on, people. We're talking about people's lives. We're talking about their livelihood and we're talking about their money. One of the two things that I see that are very, the variables that are so congruent is the fact that real estate agents are dealing with the most expensive aspect of a person's home. Your job and your career defines what house you're going to live in, what car you're going to buy, how you're going to raise your family. I've always said that. Go back to any of the recordings we've had. You will see this. This is something I've spoken about consistently. And this is why it was so refreshing to come into an industry that really promotes it, right? Mm. So the same thing on this end. If you go ahead and have this amazing home, beautiful neighborhood, and your kids are in the best school because of this, where you chose to buy your house, it's going to be highly likely that you're going to be nervous about where you're going to buy your next home or where you're going to get your next job. Yeah. They're very combined. Life, it's our life. It kind of goes back to what I always talked about, Maslow's hierarchy. Our career helps us define who we are and the pinnacle of our existence. Let me throw... Go ahead. ahead. No, no, finish your point. Finish your point. I'm sorry. Well, what I'm saying is like, for example, and I always said this too, 
if you didn't work and your wife came home all this while, seen you scratching your butt and watching, and I used to say Phil Donahue at the time, in this case, it would be Jerry Springer. I'm sure she would not be very excited with you. And I'm also sure that you would not like yourself very much. Mm. Not being a very productive member of society. Sure. Psychologically. Sure. Your wife will also go ahead and go, wait, I need you to be more productive. Okay, that happens. If your husband now goes ahead and says, wife, I want you to stay home and raise the kids. For some reason, society had said that was okay. But now society is saying to the woman, we don't need to do that. We can be working mothers. We can actually work and be mothers as well. So now society has stated, but it all comes back to the, the husbands are now saying to wives, I actually want you to be out there working as well, because I want to make sure we have a big house and we can afford the cars and we can afford the lifestyle because now the lifestyle has become more and more expensive. Back in the thirties, one person working was okay, but then what happened is then move forward to the 90s and the 2000s, you've got two working households. And so when one person goes ahead and loses his job, the household falls, falls apart. And that's unfortunate. And so, you know, what we've got in here is a society where we must always remember as recruiters, as real estate agents, what we're dealing with is so important and so intricate that we are dealing with people's actual life their livelihood, their families, their homes, their, their, their mental issues. I mean, seriously, if you got a house, like my neighbor, their house is, they bought this house six months ago. And I don't understand who was helping them sell or buy that house, what happened, but they have had a house of horrors. They've had more pit? leaking and more issues. I can't say which side because I don't want to do that. To no, them, no, no, but, no, 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 yeah, no. It's, it's like it was a movie called The Money Pit. Uh, that was about this house. It's worse than it's. It's like the money pit, but worse. I mean, from what I'm hearing is that they've got. They, I can't even discuss what's going on, but what, what based what they told me as a real estate agent, I can't. If I was not a real estate agent, I could provide more information. Sure, sure, but sure, no I look at this. I look at this, and I go, "Oh my God!" I feel so sorry for them. I'm just devastated for them. Well, and well, I'm here. These guys are out of pocket. Tons of money on house they bought six months. We should be there joyful. They should be happy. They should be excited. Well, let me ask you this. Is there a re can someone sue a real estate agent for selling them a bad home? Hell yeah. Just yeah. like they can also sue a, rec a recruiter for lying about information on a job. See, that was, misrepresenting next, that, was, that was my next point I was getting to. So have you heard of anyone actually successfully suing a recruiter for recommending a bad job? Yes. And the gentleman actually ended up killing himself. But yes, it happens all the time. Oh my gosh. Uh, there was a time I it has happened quite often. Well, and don't, the EOC don't mention the any names, but give me, some, yeah, give me some more details. Well, one of the ones that happened a long time ago was a recruiter actually had been involved in where he it was in a hospital not too long ago. It was in a hospital in California. He represented this candidate. He did not disclose the candidate's background that he had had some issues in the background and he was investigated. And the candidate and the employee, Kimino, became a CEO of a hospital and he ended up stealing tons of money from the hospital, embezzling. The, knowing that the recruiter knew 
and he had not disclosed the information so he could get the placement. He was sued and he lost. Another recruiter was sued because he knew the candidate had been fired because he had had a temper and he was kind of jealous. He ended the recruiter, the candidate that he ended up hiring. He didn't disclose the company was you know, dependent on the recruiter's background check. And this ended up killing a large number of people. The guy did a whole bunch of shooting and killing people. A recruiter was sued for that, too. There's been several instances of recruiters not doing a thorough background check and being held liable or having done a background check and not withholding the information. Recruiters are also back in while ago. Recruiters have also been sued. Right now, there's a huge one where recruiters are actually being sued in Washington State. This is horrible. They were sued in Washington State, lost big time. I think they're out of business. A couple of them in jail because they were actually helping undocumented immigrants mm. to work at a particular uh, vegetable fruit company that's very well known. Mm. And they were using other people's social security numbers Ouch. to get them the jobs. That's nice. And the reason they got exposed to somebody who was retired was like, why is my social security? He was happy. He was getting money in on it. These people were putting money in his money. In his, I mean, he was getting money on it, but he's like, he was trying to go ahead and apply for social security. He was, and they're like, no, you're working. He's like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you are here. Look, you're working. He's like, that's not me. You know? And another one was over here in California where these recruiting companies, staffing firm recruiting company, had brought people in from Taiwan, and they imprisoned them, and they were making them slaves, and they would drive them over to the office, the place that they were working, pick them up, pick them up, and they were sleeping in these really horrible shelter area, and right. one of the guys was able to escape and go to the EOC, and thankfully the company was it he they took the, the they actually paid fines willingly paid the fines to help these people and get them more grounded but they were threatening like if you go ahead and you try to escape we're going to go ahead and kill your family back in taiwan oh look recruiters get in trouble all the time in okay, fact, but, stuff when, like, but stuff like that is over the top i mean that's something that's so obviously no that's I mean, just not but okay that, here's but it's obviously okay, illegal, a, but but what if okay what if somebody just said you know what uh, i mean something like that the the um manipulating the illegals um um citizens uh all that. I mean, I, I, I totally get that. You know what I'm saying? But okay, well, here's there's, no situation, there's no not- situation where, okay, somebody hires uh, John Doe for an admin job and they get the job and they hate it. And because they hate the job, they can sue the recruiter. There's nothing like that. No, no. Well, you can so you can sue the recruiter because you said they're definitely going to get this much salary. You're going to get this much benefits and we're going to move you and they're going to pay for this. And all that doesn't come true. You can be sued for that, too. All right, now, how often does the I mean, lawsuits like that come up out and are actually... I had that happen to me almost. Uh, also, you also can get sued by a candidate because you don't submit the candidate. I had it when I first started. First, this is one reason I got so big into wanting to learn employment law. My mm. first, it was like my first month, about my third month owning a recruiting firm. And I get, I had this candidate. Oh, God. The mm. guy had graduated in 1933. Wow. 
This was 23, 24 years ago, okay? okay? And he had left a branch manager's job at a security company. Hmm. And he had graduated high school, by the way, in 1933. And he had left a high school company. I mean, he had left this security company, very well-known security company, branch manager job. And he had reached out to me. And he said he wanted me to help get him a technician job for HVAC. Now, you got to be able to lift 150 pounds or more and climb up on top of a roof to do that, right? Mm. I can't state that. I, I ask him these questions. Can you do this reasonably? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's my legal obligation to my client. And I'm also thinking, dude, you haven't been a technician in over 30 to 40 years. I, you're not really horrible to be a technician because you haven't done it in 30 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not because you're old. It's because you haven't got the experience. You've been in a management job for the last 20 years. Okay. Let's start. And actually you have been in management job in a tech in a different, you want an HBC job. You've been in security. So he says, no, no, no. So I look, I said, look, let me help you with rewriting your resume. And I'm going to do is I'm going to send, because you got it right now. What you sent me is on typewriter paper and it's typewritten. Wow. I'm going to send you a resume. I'm going to tell you what you should, you know, show you what it look, should look like. Be honest. I'm not going to rewrite it for you because it's not my legal. I've never believed that we should. Thank you, Snelling. And you should ever write your resume because you don't want to be held liable. Like you did that for him. And he can always come back and say, you lied you know for me. You know, so, you know, a lot of recruiters do that. A lot of recruiters. I know and recruiters are dumb doing that because okay. that will burn you. Because if it ever comes out that that candidate lied to you, you now are held liable because you wrote that damn thing. And he can also say, A, you knew, or B, you did it. You wrote it for him. Can he didn't be- tell you that. You did it. Can they be helped? So if I'm a recruiter and I want to help this candidate out, and so I spruce up his resume for them, um, and I, unbeknownst to me, they were lying about the qualifications. So if it comes out later, uh, they get in trouble for lying, they probably get fired. Could I get in some kind of legal jeopardy, not just for being fired for falsifying a resume, but can I get sued or anything about well you were an an accessory why not i mean i don't know about trouble but i know that your company could would have grounds to fire you you know you're an accessory to that i mean seriously like you know because i go ahead and i drove the guy to the and and i didn't know i was sitting in the car i didn't know he was killing the guy in there i'm still Mm -hmm. going to jail you know i mean i'm just saying that i don't know because i i don't know all the care cases and stuff and out there but there's so many different just remember the saying is you can actually sue and win you know and lose to suing a hamburger okay <laughs> i mean a cup of coffee you know a woman gets burned in american airlines airline you know when she's on the plane and give her she asks for the coffee she gets burned when she spilled it she spilled it on herself and she wins yeah Okay, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's, that one just recently happened. The other one was a cop, but it's McDonald's. Yeah, I mean, you know, the problem is, is don't put yourself in scenarios or situations because it makes us look bad too. Why would you write somebody else's resume for them? That's not our job. Our job is to represent the candidate as the best to their ability based upon the knowledge that they gave us. And that's one of the things too. Every, every time I had the candidates fill out the application form, I had to fill out a questionnaire. I didn't ask the questions. I sent the, cast, the questions to my clan, candidates. It was filled out in blue 
writing. The spaces in between was had the blue font, but invisible. You know, I put it in there. Yeah. They filled out in blue writing, yeah. and then they sent it. Now, I had a situation where I almost I was working with United Technologies at the time. Not going to mention which which one, but I was working with United Technologies, and I had a candidate fill out the form, and they had said on the form that they did not have a um, not they did not have a non-competitor. Okay non-compete they had no non-compete okay mm. so they could go ahead and work for my client they wrote it okay and the, the client i'm like hey what are you saying the client wrote it the or candidate the candidate the candidate candidate sent it out to the candidate said hey make sure your resume is a little bit more conforming you don't have more i want you to put more quantitative and qualitative tell me what you sold put i did this much save this much i you know created and then i gave it the 10 questions it's like actually i think it was a lou adler about the best questionnaire for a question and it's called the one question interview mm. the best thing you've ever done in your industry and i've had candidates say my kids i'm like if that's what you want to answer that's what you answer <laughs> they'll ask you how do i fill it out i'm like it's up to you. Whatever you fill out, just know it's going to go to my client as is. From you, it goes straight to them. And I'm forwarding it. So they know it's coming from you and they know it's not what I wrote or I had anything to do with it. So one of the things that United Technologies, and I had them for a client for near 20 years. Mm. One of the things they liked about me was the conformity I had. They, my candidates were always prepped. My candidates also always send out the information. So this for this particular candidate decided to throw me under the bus because what was ironic was that her company ultimately got bought and the new people were like, we're going to make sure that people that used to work for us that we want can't just leave. And we're going to get rid of the heavy, the, the, the ugly, heavy people, right? What they call, you know, everybody else says the, the heavyweight, right? Mm. And we're going to keep all the polished, shiny people as they, most companies kind of like to put it, you know? And so she, being one of the few women in the industry, women always in construction, women will always pretty much pay themselves because there's not a lot of women in the construction industry. And they do extremely well in this industry, okay? So she then turns me at the bus. And by the way, I'm generalizing. Please don't call writing, call or write and say, I said this, this, this. A lot of my comments are generalizing, okay? All right. That's the official disclaimer. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. They're generalizing. Yes. Because guess what? Life is generalization. That's what we live in. We live in a world of generalization. Okay. 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 So she then comes back and said, I wrote her. I was the one who responded, did the write out. I responded. I created all that. And I'm like, look, dude, I didn't even, there's no way I even edited your stuff. So I was able, and they knew that they knew because I've been consistent for so long that she was lying. And then I had another situation where this candidate wanted me to recruit him out of the company, but he was working for my client. And I said, dude, I can't, I can't be your lawyer and sue you too. I just can't, I'm sorry. So, wait, 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 so, wait, so you placed this person at, at the company and then once he got to the company- No, I didn't place him. I didn't place him. He worked at my client's company. Okay, he worked at your client's company, and he contacted you to find him a job elsewhere. Go to a job that I had. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and I said, I can't. I can't pull you out. I can't touch you. I'm not going to do it. It's unethical. I'm not going to be my client's lawyer and sue them, too. 
All right, so let me let me tell you this. There are plenty of. Wait, 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 hold on a second. All right, go ahead. Hold on. Guess what happened? What? He then goes to my he goes to my client and mm. said that I tried recruiting him to huh. try to protect his job. But he yeah, and they knew it wasn't true because of my consistency. Right, right. What I was going to say is there, uh, there are plenty of recruiters who have like a magic Rolodex or that's really dating myself. They have a, mm-hmm. a contact list. And so they place people on different, uh, with different clients. And then when they get new clients, uh, after some pot time has passed, maybe a few months, maybe a year, they go back to the people that they place at the other, at their clients, at their previous client and get them to, to leave their previous client to go to their new client. Are you saying that's unethical? Because I know a lot of recruiters do that. Highly unethical, and if you're part of a HR association, I think you'll know that is. And it's the same. It's, and I'm going to just give your heads up. I mean, hold on, hold on. What if the candidate has been there for a year or two years, and they've, they've been there a while, and so you're like, okay. Hey, the only way I would touch that, I was going to go with this. I'm going to answer. I'm interrupting you a minute. The only way I would touch it is if I fired that client. The client is paying me money on a regular basis. That means basically I'm his lawyer. Right. I am now representing that client. He is my, I am their lawyer. And now his, their own employee says, hey, Karen, can you sue them now? Uh, and then, so what am I supposed to do? Go ahead and take you out and then go ahead and go to my client. By the way, you've got a new opening. I know it's open. Don't ask me how, but I'm going to refill it. I mean, like, what? Am I going to keep playing revolving chairs in my client's business? You know how messed up that is and let me tell you right now there's a lot of people who do that who also say there's no such thing as client loyalty and they're usually the people who don't make it in our industry because you know as well as i do we have one of the highest turnarounds in our industry too sure you can think of people right now i can tell you at least about a good 40 or 50 people that were so popular just five six seven years ago you don't even know who they are anymore that's true. And speaking of that, and speaking of that, because I, I want to be mindful of time, uh, what are some things you noticed in the recruiting industry that maybe back in back in the day uh, when we were doing the the recruiters lounge? <laughs> and oh, okay. We got a lot of grief All about, right. and now it's like. Oh, my- <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, my God. I'm even scared of doing this podcast because there's a couple of people who literally made my life absolute miserable. Oh, we won't mention names. We won't mention names. Just talk, just talk we're about. not mentioning names. We yes. never will. Yes, okay. Never will. But we, even, even though I'm not in the industry, there was a situation, but not, again, not going to mention names, not even going to mention location. But I mean, when I say hell, being a very strong advocate for the people, very ad- strong advocate about employment law, being mm-hmm. very strong advocate for us to do this job with integrity and caring and respect of the very people that we serve. That's both the clients and the candidates, the people who entrust us to provide value to them. I was totally, totally run through the mud. My personal character was totally wasted and, and a mod. I mean, I had a website that was having over a million page views every month. That website got totalized. It is like, and they're still attacking it. They actually, I kept the back end, even the back end got attacked. So I can't even get in. And I mean, I can go ahead and I, every time I keep paying to get it fixed, even though it was offline, they were still attacking it. 
So you I mean, said, that's how well, malicious and malevolent this is. So part of your venting is that you were a huge proponent. Sorry. Of, at, no, no. I just want to make sure I, I clear up for people in case they're they're uh, a little dizzy. Um, so <laughs> the, the point you're making is that back in the day, you were a huge proponent of ethics in recruiting. And because you were pushing ethics in recruiting, a lot of people. Value. Not just ethics, but value. Respect. Value. Okay. I think what I was trying to push was respect, value. I was a prince and make sure that we were always positive about the people we represented. Have a strong image and don't let, you know, the slack slide down. I mean, there were people in our industry who were promoting lying and cheating and stealing and just hurting clients. You know, it's like you don't own a client was a lot of the mantra in there. Or, you know, I mean, just do whatever it takes to become a, an agent, make money. And that's not what life's about. It's the same thing with real estate. Some people really believe that they could just do whatever they want. And guess that when a lot of people do that in this industry, in real estate, they can go to jail. Okay. It's really expensive to mess up here. If we did in real estate, what many of the people in recruiting were proposing, were proposing many people would go to jail. And one of the individuals actually got fired there was a particular individual, a doctor something, who was proposing that the best guerrilla tactics were based upon this one particular person who worked for this very highfalutin bank. And actually, it was a finance company, actually kind of related, real estate related um, finance company. I'll do this, everything this guy says to do. This guy is top. Now, I don't even think the guy was probably doing a lot of the stuff that was being written about. To be honest with you, I think that they kind of had this collusion to go ahead. This is my thought. I'm allowed to say opinion. That's all it is. My belief opinion was that these guys sat down and smoking cigars one day and said, let's do this whole series. Well, anyways, the guy got fired for doing these very techniques. Okay, for doing because it was illegal and ethical, especially in the financial industry. Sure. So then this guy started putting a little disclaimer, make sure you talk to an attorney before you're doing the tactics or techniques, because it because but this little disclaimer was so tiny. And yet this person was lauded as being one of the best people. Now I and a few other people kind of spoke up against this. I remember. And the day I started speaking up against this type of technique, because now all of a sudden a lot of people are adopting this unethical crap. And yes, it was crap. Really disgusting, nefarious behavior, okay? Poaching what was done illegally. All this other stuff was coming out. And I mean, we got roasted. I got roasted. Even you, Jim, try to back me up. You try to help me. It was really one of the most humiliating situations in my life that really just was devastating as hell. But, so, you know, it, go ahead. No, well, no, no, no. Oh, sorry. But what I see today, mm-hmm. today I was going on some of the recruiting networks and I am seeing with pleasure that more and more people now are speaking up on exactly what we were talking about, about bringing the value to the clients, about the candidates, respecting the candidates, making it a better process for the candidates, making it less painful for the candidates, making sure we understand the candidate's pain, understanding their empathy. 
you know, picking up the phone. Don't focus on just the internet. Focus on meeting and, and providing value. How can we reach out to these guys and make better value for them? Walk them through their pain. Yep. That's where I'm seeing a lot of change now. And I'm so grateful. So I guess it's true that success is the best revenge. Because uh, <laughs> a lot of what you said has become the standard there. Um, as always, I appreciate your time, um, the listeners' time for going through this rant. If you like what you've heard so far, there are at least oh gosh, it was a rant. There's at least a hundred more. It was a rant. And and uh, lucky you, Karen. It was too not, long. Well, we didn't argue in this one as much as we have another episode. So uh, I know we should be fortunate for that. But if you want to hear us arguing, we do get into it uh, on a lot of old issues. Uh, Maybe we could do one of these again. Maybe we could do this again. Who knows? knows? I do provide training, by the way. By the way, I want to let everybody know if you give me a little bit. Thank you. I'm with Remax United. Okay. And if you guys have, you know, somebody moving to California or anywhere, actually, if you have any relocations, I can help you find some of the best Remax agents throughout all of the United States, as well as the world, because we are the largest real estate agency company in the world. One of the best, actually, we actually have the best brand. I am in San Diego. I actually started out doing recruiting and then I was doing some training. Then my husband decided to come into the industry, so I helped him with his marketing. So now I'm actually going ahead and starting back into selling again. So I'm gonna, I have two under my belt right now. Um, I've got an offer coming in. We actually put in the offer in today and we should have a listing at the end of the week. So I'm actually starting the year on a good track. So if you have people moving to San Diego market in any shape way from our Southern California, I would love to help them. I understand the process. I know what it's like to relocate individuals, haven't been on that side, and I will be able to help bring and transition your clients, your applicants to the best effect. So I know Jim's going to have my information. Make sure you have a big arrow that points best Asian out there because I was like you. Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a good enough? (laughs) That was a very modest plug. (laughs) No no modesty here, dude. I'm good. I mean, seriously, like the reason you and I have done so well is because I'm good. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to deny it. I am good at what I do. Because I try my best because I care. Very cool. All right. Well, um, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much, Karen, for your time. And and guys, if you want to connect with Karen, um, I will have in the podcast description and on jimstrad.com ways you can connect with her. You just want to hear it really quickly, Karen, throw out how they can contact you, email or something or website or. Preferably, you can contact me at Karen Matinen. 858-668-8000, 858-668-8004. Yes, 858-668-8004. And it's kmatinen at remaxunited.com. Yes, I am going to be staying Remax for a long time. So I know we should do a gym or whatever, but no, just use that. Okay. Remaxunited.com. There you go. And uh, be sure to tune in to the Retro Lounge, which posts uh, every Wednesday. Uh, as a subscriber, to podcast, you'll get it every Wednesday. This is just a little sneak preview if you hadn't listened to it. All right. So, uh, oh, actually, it really is a lot more interesting. It's not a lot of me. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I will let them decide. <laughs> this uh, 
a lot of meat. And I really yeah. thank you for the opportunity. No worries. Actually, it was a rant. Actually, it was like, I just, it was like letting go of bent. I, I mean, I remember, seriously. I remember saying hello, and then that's all I remember at this point. So Yeah, uh, it's like somebody unzipped me, and it's just like, boosh. I mean, it's yes. like everything just kind of came out. I mean, that is like five years of like, blah. Okay, and on that note, uh, we'll stop it here for the benefit of those who wanted to. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> later. All right, guys, talk to you guys next right. time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. You can leave a comment concerning this podcast on my website at www.jimstroud.com. In addition to finding source material and related information for this podcast episode, you'll find other goodies that I hope will make you smile. And if you have not already, please subscribe to my website. Your continued support keeps this podcast train chugging down the track. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.